a revival comes upon the children of God. You don't want to be left out. You don't want to be seen on the outskirts, but you want to be in the midst where it's happening. You want to be a beneficiary because it is only to your benefit. God is full within himself and of himself. And there's, there are no additions that we bring to him. It's just his own grace. It's just his own grace that he has allowed us to be a part of him and that he is working with us. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let's just go to, uh, to the reading of the word. Uh, it's going to be from 1 Samuel, verse 21, I mean, verse 22. Sorry, just 1 and 2. Chapter 22. 1 Samuel, chapter 22, from verse 1 to 2. If you're there, say amen. Mm. David's 400 men. And I will read. David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontent was gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 500 men with him. So he became captain over them. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, today I just feel that today we have to address some issues that are holding us back. There are certain circumstances and issues that are holding us back. Today, I want to talk to those limitations. We're going to bring them down in the name of Jesus. And this is a choice that you have to make. You have got to decide that I do not want to be bound anymore. You have got to let it come out of your mouth and say, I am done with these limits. I am done with these boundaries. I am done with these strongholds that the enemy has placed over my life where he thinks he is the puppet master and I am the puppet. Today, I renounce his claim over me in the name of Jesus. Today, I am doing away with it in the name of Jesus. The tearing down of strongholds. The word of God says, for our weapons are not carnal but they are mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds for any name that seeks to exalt itself above the name of Jesus anything that says when you say I have received Christ and it thinks that it can cling on to you today we want to address that hallelujah hallelujah the word of God says that when David was in the cave he was hiding out and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Uh, today I've broken uh, my usual uh, code, and I decided to give my sermon a title. It says, no need for pedigree. There's no need for pedigree. You see, when you go to God, he's the only person. That's the only place you can go. And there are no requirements. You know, when you're looking for a job and they said they want six years of experience. And you're thinking, so where would I start? How does everybody else start if everybody wants people with experience? God is the only. He calls you as you are. And he starts to work on you. 
and he starts to do something within you. Now you go from being in distress, from being in debt, from being discontented to being called the mighty men of David. These men became the mighty men of David. Let me give you a backstory about David. How we came here, what we're doing in this cave, why we are hiding in a cave. King David, a man after God's own heart. Why is he a fugitive? How did we get here? Hallelujah. I wish you would just go back and read by yourself. Sometimes the word of God, it's, I know you get stuck in, uh, in books like Deuteronomy. And you're being told, use this, use clay, use what? And you're like, oh. How does this apply to my daily life? But then there are times when you're reading it and you're on a roll. It's like you're watching a good movie and there you are in there. And uh, when I read the story of David, I feel my soul being moved. For God to say David is a man after my own heart, after the things that he endured. And he still was a man after his own heart. He said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Which means nothing that I'm going through, no situation, no circumstance that I am encountering will allow me or will make me yearn to sin against you. But I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may do your statutes, that which you say I should do. Even if there's a bounty on my head, even though the king wants to kill me even after the death of my child even after my own son betrays me your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you now I did tell you I was going to tell you a backstory right how we got to this cave hallelujah um, we see the children of Israel they were taken out of Egypt um, out of captivity after how many years in captivity? 400 years. 400. Imagine the generations that had come and gone, and all they knew was slavery. Then God frees them out of Egypt. Hmm. And after they came out of Egypt, God had already told them that I want you to do away with all these these nationalities that are there because they wanted a generation that was pure for himself. But what do they do? They get there and they decide, other people have kings. Why do we have prophets and judges? Other nations have kings. We want a king. Other nations, nations that knew nothing about ten plagues being sent from heaven so that they may be freed. Nations that had not walked on dry ground because the seas had been parted. Those were the nations that they wanted to be like. There were nations that knew nothing about the Passover. When everybody around them in a country where everyone was wailing after the death of their first sons, they had been passed over. But they said they wanted to be like these nations. Do you see this peer pressure? Let me tell you, child of God, it is okay to be different. Sometimes they know nothing about what God has done for you or how he's using you. It is okay to be different. It is okay to be unique. And when you come to God, there are some things that have to start falling off of you. 
They have to start being done away with. They have to be slowly removed. They have to start to go, and it has to be okay. If after being saved and there's still some things you don't feel yourself, these things that you used to do so easily and naturally and they become difficult for you. If you're waking up to pray at 4, wake up at 3.30. You need to change that gear. And you need to speak to us, your pastors, and say, you need to pray some more. I don't feel myself needing to do away with some things. That's it. That's about being the child of God, that there's transformation. You start to move from being discontented, from being in debt, to being a mighty man, to being called a mighty man. Some things have to come off. Anyway, so we're saying, so they decided they wanted a king. And God told Samuel that there's a son of Kish that's going to be looking for donkeys. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says about Saul. This is not me. I never saw Saul. But let me read what it says about him. Just one second. I don't want you thinking that I'm envying another man here. Okay. It says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel the son of Zerah, the son of Bechorah, the son of Aphia, the a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome son, person than he among the children of Israel. Not only was he handsome, you couldn't miss him because he said from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Pedigree. Befitting. Choice. He was a choice man. He was adequate. The kind that when people say, here's your king, they say, mm-hmm. Yes. Now you're talking. A choice man. Handsome. Everything about him said he was enough. Everything about him. Look, he was easy on the eyes. Mm. Where are we going with this? So now a king has been selected. And now the, the Lord tells Saul that because of what Amalek has done to you, I want you to annihilate destroy, completely wipe off the face of the earth, anything to do with him. Do not leave his children, do not leave the women, do not leave the donkeys, do not leave the flies, do not leave their cockroaches, their mosquitoes, do away with everything. What does soul do? Mm. He kills the men, kills the women, kills the babies, the skinny cows. But he says this is going to be a choice cow for a fillet. You know the juicy fillets that when you're eating, they're like, they melt in your mouth like butter. He's like this sheep, when the, when my, when the royal chef makes a nice lamb chop, this one will be enough. This is it. This is a fat one. Surely God will be okay with this. Surely God will be okay with this. 
because it is a nice, they're nice, fat-looking, juicy cows and lamb. They're, what, wh how can he not be okay with this? How can he not be okay with us eating? When God says, do away with the former things, anything that was of the old man, do away with it and put on the full armor. He says, take on the cross of Christ and do away with anything of the old life. And you say, surely God would be okay with this. Surely, how can this be a problem with God? Surely, how can he just, how can you look and say it is a problem? Ah, some things, as long as they belong to the old you, when you are a new creation in Christ, they have got to go. Because Saul found himself rejected, his kingship rejected because of those things that testified of his disobedience. That spoke of his disobedience. When God says, I want you to do away with something, and he held on to it, and he disobeyed God. And the sheep were bleating. Samuel says, what is this bleating of sheep that I hear? Remember one time just after we got married, and Pastor Vito was preaching, and he says, what is this bleating of sheep that I hear? What testifies that you have not done away with the old life that caused soul to be rejected? The old nature, yes. Right? Now soul is rejected. God says, I don't want anything to do with him anymore. I've rejected his kingship. Enter David. When, see, the thing, when God sent Samuel to anoint someone, he said, go to the son, to Jesse. I want you to anoint his son. Ah, uh, in came the firstborn, and he's like, ah, oh, surely that is him. Ah, uh, in, in Shona, we say, Mukwimba, And he said, no, not him. I have refused him. Enter the second, the third, and he said, no, I have refused him. He said, Jesse, do you have any more sons? He says, I have a little boy tending sheep. And I imagine when David came in, you know, when we're young, and we can't just walk for some reason, you have to be. Imagine he was a little boy, clumsy, nothing about him said kingship, but it was out with pedigree and in with what God had selected. In came David, and when Samuel anointed David, then we see him going over. That's when you know he was taking bread and cheese to his brothers, and he saw Goliath. He is saying whatever he wants. He is insulting God and the armies. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defiles the armies of the Lord? You think when they saw him, they imagined that David would be the man that would take down that giant? Well-trained armies that had been at Fort Benning for months, that had been training at Fort something in Virginia. Do you think they imagine that a little boy like that? You think sometimes, yes, when they see you, they say, surely there's nothing that he can tell us. There's nothing that she can tell us. It is not about you, but it is about Christ in you, who makes you enough, who qualifies you, who causes you to stand before kings, 
kings and princes declaring his word who causes you to be the bringer of change who causes you to be the open of the opener of doors for people he is Christ listen there are people we have people in here that are sitting on doctorates because they think the ship has sailed you have got to call that ship back so you can jump on it because you are enough we have weddings that are in here and people are thinking their season has passed let me tell you something God is not a respecter of persons he doesn't care about your situation your circumstances are nothing to God when he says he wants to do something there's nothing and nobody that can stop God mm. Oh, we're still on the backstory. We're getting a little carried away here and there. It's like we're on a road trip and we stop to see uh, some of these nice things that are here in America, but we are getting to our destination. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now then, David has killed Goliath. Then those that sing, you know what singers, we write our songs. Um, someone writes a song and says, uh, Saul has killed a thousand and David has killed 10,000. Saul says, what? Surely I've got to do away with this little boy. There on and thereafter, all hell broke loose. Saul had a bounty. He had it out for David. Now I hear some people saying, I have haters, I have haters. They know nothing. <laughs> you want a man with haters? David had a hater. Hallelujah. And now David is running away from Saul. That's why he was in the cave. Because he's fleeing with his life. Ha! Now there's some people. That hear that other fugitive David is in a cave. These people with the ones with a credit score of three. These were the people that had been rejected, that had been evicted, had their cars repossessed, their houses had been foreclosed on, they had been laid off. Uh, they woke up today, their husband decided he didn't want them anymore. Their wife decided she found someone with more money. There are people whose children did not call to check on them. They were in all kinds of distress, discontentment, debt. What did they do? They could have stayed with their stress and debt and discontentment, right, where they were. But they took a step of faith and said, we want to align ourselves with this man. Now, do you know, if you look at the life of David, it was very similar to the life of Christ. He's a type of Christ to us. These men took a step of faith. They said, we have nothing to lose. Let us go align ourselves with this man. And he became captain over them. 
He became captain over them. Some hundreds of years later, we see Jesus walking and he's calling unto himself the tax collectors up in a tree. And he says, come down for I want to eat with you. A prostitute goes and she washes the feet of Jesus. Ah, we see Jesus walking around and those that were unclean are hanging on to the hem of his garment and they're being healed. Just like David, he became captain over them and they became mighty. Let me tell you somebody, you let Jesus be captain of your life. Your circumstances are about to change. You're in for a turnaround. Something is about to give in your life. You see, these men said to David, we are here. You're about to tell us what to do, where to go. We're making you captain over us. You take Jesus and you submit your will to his and he begins to do with you that which he wants your life is about to turn around there's about to be a shift in your life you're about to become what you never dreamed of what you never imagined what you never thought you would see happening in your life it says let me what i i, I have evidence right here about the mighty men of David. I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 24. Yes. Talks about the mighty men whom David had. There was a man. His name was Adino, the Esnite. He killed 800 men at one time. You know the Bible doesn't lie, right? I told you this business of calling Winky D a ninja a ninja. He is no ninja. This is a real life ninja. 800 men. That's more than more than that are in here. And then we multiply us and we multiply. One time he killed them all. Another man fought so hard that his sword stuck to his hand. He fought until his sword was stuck to his hand. Hmm? From distress, from debt, to being real life ninjas, real life superheroes. 800 men in one go. It says at one time, not 800 men through the course of his life. In one, one battle, he killed 800 men were not enough to kill this man. It says nothing about him being wounded. 800 of them. I know you can't even imagine that. It seems, it, even I have a hard time just grasping my head around it. I'm like, 800? But God is not a man that he should lie. Now imagine what Jesus would do with you. And the small little thing that you want, to God it is nothing. To God, it is little, and you're looking at it, and you are seeing a mountain. Do you not know that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell your mountain, move out of the way and go throw yourself into the sea. And it will do. And it will do. We have businesses in here. But because you're thinking that my credit, 
you're looking at yourself and you're saying, my work history, my this, my that, it is nothing to God. When you take Jesus and he becomes the captain of your life, you know Christ took the foolish things and he used those to confound the wise. Now when the wise are confounded, the scholarly ones, I study divinity, A-level. Let me tell you what they said. Uh, a certain scholar, I don't remember his name because it's not worth remembering. He said, um, during that battle, at, um, the, the contest at Mount Carmel, uh, they say that uh, Elijah, he took water and he poured it on the logs. Um, what we know of this time is that there were geysers and that there was oil. So he could have taken the oil and poured. Do you know that if we take petrol and we pour it in this room, it's harmless until we light a match. What did Elijah ask for? I told him, let me, uh, I mean, I couldn't see him, but in my heart, that's what I was thinking. This foolish wise man, Elijah asked for fire. <laughs> Even if there was oil, it would not have lit the logs if there was no fire. Hallelujah. Our God answered by fire. And the wise are confounded. They're confounded. That's why you see them trying to come up with all sorts of reasons and excuses, trying to seek justification. They're looking for answers. The answer is simple. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is mighty. He is able. He is enough. He is risen. Even death could not hold him down. Even death, he said, where is your you tried but you couldn't they celebrated in hell they didn't know you would go in there purchase my salvation rise up with it and now we are standing with kings and now we are worthy you will walk with CEOs and you will be called a CEO when they say your name it will have several titles and initials coming after it because when you make God your captain your circumstances change. Your life will change. Let me tell you something. What God does, there's no mind that can calculate. There's no mind that can figure him out because he is God. That's why we worship him and we say, Lord, your love is amazing. Your mercy endures through every situation, through every circumstance. Let me tell you something. Where you are coming from, nobody cares. What your pedigree is, nobody cares. What God wants is a broken and contrite heart that he can work with, that is broken, that he can make over, that he can start building brick by brick. Where you have come from is of no concern. In this room alone, where there are several different things that we can say they limit us. You think God cares. He doesn't. You think God minds where you've come from. Several things would have disqualified us. But could that already? There's several different things. I am the child of a widow. Many things were spoken over my mother, over us. But look at us today. The word of God prevailed. The will of God prevailed. It stood. There are several different things. I remember when she would tell me her stories of how she would stand by the door while she was seeing her half-brothers and their wives eating fat cook. Fat cook. 
Now if she sees a fat cook, she says it's too oily. I don't want to get fat. Hmm? And she would say, ha, they're drinking tea with sugar. <laughs> huh? Backgrounds. Hmm? I remember when we got married and my husband was on a quest to gain weight. He's like, I want to be big because when people look at me, I don't want them to think that I'm a boy. Oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> now we all know when he opens his mouth to preach the word, the first thing that doesn't come to your mind is boy now, is it? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? It's not even men that comes to your word. It's hard. Preacher. Ah, pastor. Because pedigree does not matter where we're going. Qualifications do not matter. Now, you see, we will walk through doors that we do not deserve to walk through. We will see ourselves entering those spaces that we would not enter otherwise. I want to tell you about a man named Judge Mathis. You know Judge Mathis? Do you know the story of Judge Mathis? His life. At 17, he says, ah, this school thing doesn't work for me. He dropped out. You know what? He became a heroin dealer. By the time that he was, uh, I don't know, but he had been in and out of jail so much. But he went from being the sentenced to being the sentencer. You think if he had told himself that, ah, from where I've been, I've been in prison so many times. How can I become a judge? I mean, it doesn't matter. When you submit your will to that of Christ, it starts to turn things around for you. He starts to turn your life around for you. Ah, he starts to, he starts to, to, to stir the waters for you. He starts to stir the waters for you. I remember he said to the men at Bethesda, he said, do you want to be healed? And he said, no, you see, the thing is, I've been standing here for so many years. I said, do you want to be healed? Rise fellowship. Do you want a change in your life? Do you want a circumstance changer in your life? Do you want some things to start falling off from you? Today is the day that you address those limitations and say, yes, I was in distress. I might have been in debt. I might have been discontented, but I'm going from that to being a mighty woman of God. I'm going from that to be a mighty woman of God. Some have known you to be in terrible relationships for years and years. I'm telling you, when the husband comes along, he will love you past that pain. He doesn't care about pedigree. He doesn't care about fine-looking women. Women. He doesn't care about different qualifications. He doesn't choose those that speak better. He picks those that want to speak. That's all he wants. A broken and contrite heart that he can use, that he can work with. He wants the hearts that are willing. Sometimes our limitations, sometimes we say devil, devil. It's in our head. It's in our head. It's when we think speaking in tongues, foolish language. I mean, what am I saying? What is it? 
And we think when the gift of speaking in tongues comes upon us, we will feel delight and thunder. And I will feel myself jolted like electricity. Did we not say the Holy Spirit is a gentleman? He is gentle. He comes upon. He doesn't thrust himself upon you. You'll get that feeling if a demon comes. Because demons, they don't care. They don't care whether you send them an invitation, whether you wrote a letter of request. When they come, they come. Now you better make sure your house is swept and clean and they know they cannot enter. Yeah, when they come, they come with a bang, but the spirit comes upon you. You start to feel procedurally those things that we enjoyed, those meaningless conversations that we loved, at, those friends that, you know, we all have had a friend that when you want to do something bad, you know, this one, she's not going to judge me, this one, she's not going to say stop, this, this is the one. When you feel yourself being, they, they give you a call and you just want to minister, you just want to tell them that God loves them, you're getting there. Then you know that God is working. When you feel some things that you used to like to look at or to read, and all of a sudden you feel, mm, that's the Holy Spirit with whispers. He comes talking to you, educating you, teaching you gently, and some things start to fall away. These men, the distress itself, it said, mm, I cannot be here no more. Uh, distress doesn't live here anymore. Before you know it, distress had sent a new address to its postal code to the post office and said, I'm not there anymore. Those that were identified with debt, I mean, you know those debt collectors when they're called. This is an attempt to collect a debt. Mm. And you know the thing about them. They call, is this Sandra? And you're like, oh, uh, who is this? I said, is this Sandra? Who, who, who is this? This is an attempt to collect the debt. The moment you say, yes, it's me. So this is an attempt to collect it. We want to. They start to hound you back and forth. These men said, they took a step of faith. They took a step of faith and said, I am doing away with these things. I have nothing to lose. Let me go subject myself under the authority of the king. And then he became captain over them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just get up to our feet. Uh, today by yourself. We want to call upon the Spirit of God to give you utterance. To call upon the Spirit of God to work within you. Call upon the Spirit of God and ask it to help you do away with anything that is limiting you. You are a mighty woman of God. You are a mighty man of God. You are mighty. You are enough as you are. You are adequate. You are adequate. We need some people in here that take a step of faith and say, Lord, I do not want to be identified with my past anymore, for it is no longer I that lives, but it is Christ that lives in me and because
because of that, everything about me has to identify with Christ. Everything about me has to show that I'm a new creation. I am a brand new man. All things have passed away. New things are coming up. We want to see a change, a difference. Hallelujah. 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 What a word. Hallelujah. What a word. Hallelujah. What a word. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. Hallelujah. Mighty God. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Levels. Hallelujah. From glory to glory. Hallelujah. What a word. Hallelujah. I love the story that you were preaching on. Hallelujah. But I love the fact that... David was at the cave, and the men with their own two feet, they walked in the direction that David was to obtain their deliverance. There are some times, hallelujah, that the preacher can only do so much for you, but then you've got to possess it by force and begin to walk up to the, to, to, to the place that God is calling you. How do you walk to that place? You walk to that place by prayer. Hallelujah. Where you say, God, I've been in distress. I've been in bondage for a long time. I've been in debt, oh God. But no more. But no more. From today onwards, oh God. I've had no pedigree. But my life, oh God. From today onwards, oh God. I am a different person. I am a new creation. You make the step yourself. You make the prayer yourself. You say it out. You lift up your hands yourself. You surrender to the Lord. You take up your own cross. And you begin to make strides towards what God is calling you a better life, a better future, a destiny for you. Yes, a place of destiny, a place of appointment, a place of appointment. Come on, somebody, pray for your life. Pray for your life. It is prayer that changes your life. It is prayer that changes your life. Call to God, call to Jesus, and say, Father, here I am. Change my destiny. Change, erase, oh God, my yesterday. Hallelujah. Make it your prayer this morning. Say, God, they've known me as nothing before, but from today onwards, I'm moving from being a zero to being a hero. Father, I thank you for heroes. Say, I am a hero. Say, I am a hero. Make this your prayer. Lord, I am a mighty man. I am a woman.